5: Ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Rush Hour, I am Danny Burke, your host. As always, we are live out of the Bet River Sportsbook, and tonight we've got Jeff Parles joining us for some college football action. Week one, he's got plenty of games to bet on early on for some of that Thursday, Friday slate of games to get you even more ready before the big slate on Saturday. So talking all things college football with our main man, Jeff, and then later on in the show, talking some NFL with Sam Monson. PFF, at PFF underscore Sam, host of the PFF NFL podcast. So we'll talk about the big news in the NFL today, naturally being the New England Patriots, Cam Newton getting released. We'll start off with that in a second, too. But uh, as for the rest of the show, just going to recap some college football plays that I did have earlier regarding Wisconsin with a season win total bet. And we'll preview their upcoming week one matchup against Penn State. And further along, we'll get some MLB action on the diamond. I've got a couple of plays with Danny's dimes. Another nice performance last night, 2-0, looking to carry that over into this evening. But like we said, the big news, the New England Patriots cutting ties with Cam Newton. Not only did they say he's not going to start, they didn't even bench him. They just said, all right, you're out of here. And now Mac Jones is going to be the starter of your New England Patriots up in Foxborough. So what does that make you think? of this new england team did you think mac jones was going to beat him out anyways in this competition well even if he did or if he didn't it seems a little perplexing to cut cam newton but of course a lot of that kind of plays into the factor of him remaining unvaccinated missing days of practice uh, mac jones doing very well in those practices he missed and it seems like the speculation is too that he's not the best locker room guy and you bring up the vaccinated part, too, because obviously that doesn't sit well with some people in those locker rooms. And even more importantly, you know, if you do get COVID, if the team has to miss a game, you will forfeit and that will become a loss. So it's kind of a, a big baggage to carry on if another team wants to get him. And that's what it seems like the rumors and speculations are for teams not wanting to reach out to the former NFL MVP. But Mac Jones is going to be your starting quarterback for New England. Let's take a look at some of his betting profiles, starting with the Offensive Rookie of the Year, which naturally gets more interesting for the rookie quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is still at the top, plus 350, but then comes Mac Jones at now plus 550 to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Justin Fields is at 6-1, Trey Lance is at plus 650, Zach Wilson 7-1, Najee Harris 8-1, Kyle Pitts 11-1, and then Jamar Chase at 16-1. But look, Mac Jones, of course, has a legitimate case now to win this award at plus 550. We've talked about this category many times on the show, my first thought process, and Jeff Parle's thought process, and we could get into that potentially with him a little bit. Was that Zach Wilson was the viable option based off the value, and originally he was double-digit odds as the dog, but now you see him at 7-1, to one, but still a good spot potentially for Wilson considering that we know he is going to be the starter, seeing the most playing time, having the most opportunities. We know that's not going to be the case, most likely with Justin Fields, who's not going to be the starter right out of the gate. Trey Lance with the injury now especially. That's going to be an issue regarding that conversation. But Mac Jones now makes the case to do so. And I would actually pick him over Trevor Lawrence at plus 350 for the fact that you're under Bill Belichick. Give the head coaching advantage to Bill Belichick over Urban Meyer. Give the talent to New England. As opposed to Jacksonville, the surrounding talent, and the schedule's probably a little bit more favorable for the Patriots than it is in Jacksonville. And you're just getting $2 better in terms of the odds. So if you're looking at it at this point, I still think Zach Wilson has some solid value, even though he's dropped down to seven to one. Mac Jones at plus five fifty, not too shabby either for the quarterback up in Foxborough. Now, you want to look at some of the other odds just to throw out there. MVP for Mac Jones, 80 to 1 most passing touchdowns is 25 to 1 at Bet Rivers and the most passing yards 66 to 1 for the product out of Alabama so Mac Jones still has the Patriots is plus 350 to win the division along with the Dolphins the Jets are at 25 to 1 and the Bills are the favorite at minus 150 so does this alter your thought process on New England and their division spot I'm probably not too much. I mean, you know, in my opinion, after what we saw last season of Cam Newton and even the year before, you knew he was regressing. So what was going to be a huge difference maker this season? You're getting more talent with the tight ends. Yeah, okay, I guess that could be a help and the offensive line could get a little bit better and more of a normal season. But at this point, it seems like the ceiling for Mac Jones could be higher. I'm not saying I'm completely sold on Mac Jones, but maybe a new light, just something in a new way and opportunity can give you more hope for this New England team, thus getting over their win total and maybe competing for the division. Once again, the show is Rush Hour, presented by Bett Rivers. I'm Danny Burke. Thank you for tuning in on this Tuesday evening. Once again, we're going to have a big show filled with some NFL content as we had some big news in the day with Cam Newton being released By the New England Patriots, Mac Jones going to be the starter up in Foxborough. We'll talk more about that with Sam Monson of PFF, where he hosts the NFL podcast. And then we got some baseball to talk later, where I got a couple of plays on the diamond. But speaking of plays, folks, and games to look forward to, about some college football to help us dissect that. It's Jeff Parles, our Tuesday regular here on Rush Hour, who you can follow uh, on Twitter, at Jeff Parles, hosting many shows here on Beeson, Beeson's Bed Center, taking part in a numbers game as well. Jeff, my man, as always, a pleasure to talk with you. It is officially time. Of course, we had week zero this past week, but I'm trying to erase all of that from my memory. So let's go ahead and look forward to week one in college football. And let's start with a game on Thursday night. I know we had briefly discussed this last week. I believe, but what about this Boise State UCF game? I know you got some action in this one, and the dog could be a viable option here. I mean, you know, is a solid quarterback for Boise State UCF, maybe just more of a name recognition, but you're looking a little bit more with the value here with Boise State, is that right? Well, Danny, first off, before we get into this,
6: before we get into this, I gotta congratulate you on your team just continuing. To have the mantle of most mediocre midwestern football program, so so bravo to your Huskers on that loss against the uh, the Illini over the weekend. Uh, look, this is a really intriguing matchup in Gus Malzahn's first game coaching Central Florida, and for Boise going cross country, of course, remember we we saw this happen already uh, a few years ago in Hank Bachmeyer's first career start for Boise State, where. They went on the road to Tallahassee again. It's a, a pretty similar situation. First game in the Norvell era for them the, against Florida State. First game in the Malzahn era in this cross country trip. And, yes, I understand it's the first game with a new head coach there in Boise, uh, with with Avalos taking over for Harson who left to take the Auburn job. But I, this is a pretty even talent matchup for me. And I am very intrigued by taking, not only taking the five, five and a half that is out there with Boise, but taking a little bit of a sprinkle of plus 180 on the money line on the Broncos. This is a talented team. They may not be as good as past Boise State teams have been, but I, I just have questions about Central Florida with the new regime. And I, I, again, I understand that it's a new regime on both sides, but I'll take the points and I'll take a sprinkle on the money line with the Broncos. In this, uh, again, pretty fun Thursday game right out of the chute here, Dan.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And Boise State catching five at Bet Rivers and that plus money on the money line, plus 170 for Boise State if you want to throw a little sprinkle like Jeff is looking forward to doing. And then of course, that total we're seeing at about 68 and a half. It opened 71 and a half, so the under getting actually a little bit of love, but a lot of points assumed to be scored between UCF and Boise State, 7 p.m. Central time Thursday night. Let's keep it on Thursday night, Jeff, and let's look forward to another game that maybe not as many people are looking to lay uh, this big of a number. And I'm not saying you are per se, but especially in week one, seems like a insurmountable task with a team like Tennessee. It's like 35-and-a-half, and that's against Bowling Green. This total's at 61, and this number is shot up. I mean, I think the opener was at about 28-and-a-half. Now the Volunteers are up to 35-and-a-half. Is that just insanely absurd for week one? No matter who Tennessee is playing, Jeff. So, so there's a few things going on here. First off, new era in, in Knoxville, uh, the,
6: the Pruitt era, which ended in in a disaster last year. Uh, you went now, and they hired Josh Heupel. Who, look, I, Josh Heupel. I, I had a fir- I had a firsthand glance at him when he was the offensive coordinator of uh, of Missouri. A lot of flash, but not again. I I don't know how good of a coach he is. And we saw when Frost's players were there at first in central Florida, Hypo won more with his guys as opposed to his own guys at the end of his tenure. And it made a whole lot of sense for him to get out of there in central and get out of, get out of Orlando and take a Tennessee job while he an option to go to a power five school. With that said here, Danny Bowling green is terrible. And I am going to look to take the points. If you're going to give me five touchdowns with Bowling Green, the only concern that I have, and I also like the over here as well, is that it's the first game in Hyphel's era and Hyphel at central Florida, the Knights demolished horrible teams and they kept scoring and they kept scoring and they kept scoring and it didn't stop for the most part. So even though, again, I'm, a, I, 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 when I sent you these in the morning, I was a little bit more, a little more bullish on Bowling Green getting 35 and a half 36 than I am right now. But that total is really intriguing because it would not shock me if Tennessee is in the high forties or the low fifties here and Bowling Green should be able to muster two touchdowns at least in this game. So I, I actually like the over a little bit more than I like the Bowling Green side at the moment. I think we're going to see a lot of points there in Knoxville uh, for Peiple's, uh first game as head coach as a, uh, of the Vols, and also I like Joe Milton, who is now the quarterback there uh, at Tennessee, he won the job, the former Michigan QB. I, I actually think that was a proper move by Heifel. So um am the Bowling Green with the points, but I like this game over, even though that is a pretty high number when you have a question about how bad Bowling Green's offense is.
5: All right, so Jeff, confidence level a little bit higher, going with the total over 61. Jeff, speaking of another game with a total in the 60s, 67 is what we're seeing in Ann Arbor. Michigan taking on Western Michigan, and not only that, Wolverines laying 17 in the hook at Bat Rivers, minus 1,000 on the money line, plus $6 for Western Michigan. And like we said, that total at 67, and it opened 66 and a half. You like Michigan and Harbaugh in this game one performance because, you know, we talk about seats getting warm and Harbaugh is always a topic of that conversation. And there's so much uncertainty with Michigan, but again, you know, we talk about week one games and laying a steep price. And maybe it's just a little bit too much for Harbaugh and company, despite it being against Western Michigan. Yeah. So I'm going to follow the lead of our guy, Kenny White, who loves the Broncos this
6: year. He has him as as his MAC champion and, I think Western Michigan's a little bit undervalued in those Mac futures uh, lines as well. And, and look, this is a lot of points and Michigan's clearly better. There's no arguing that, but if you're going to give me 17, 17 and a half, like you said, at bed rivers, I'll, I'll take it with the Broncos. They're good enough to play this game within two scores. And, and look, this is, uh, uh, this is one where if Michigan's Michigan t- decides they want to inflict their will on a directional school from their own state. Sure, the Wolverines could win this game by two, by three touchdowns, four touchdowns. Wouldn't shock me. But there's enough talent on Western Michigan, and they're well enough, co- they're, they're well coached enough that they should be able to at least stay within two scores here, cover to seventeen and a half, uh, lose. But look, we, we we don't care if they lose; they just have just lose the game by seventeen, and we're all happy in the end. There, Dan.
5: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, look, Michigan again. To me, I'm, I'm really not going to be surprised if they go, you know, anywhere eight to nine wins, or end up with seven or six. They could have such a big wide range this season. It's not going to shock me, and especially week one and against a team that could be pretty solid in Western Michigan. Taking the points may be a viable look. All right, Jeff, and finally for a game that you have a very strong look in West Virginia and Maryland. I was actually diving into this game a little bit earlier this morning because, of course, we're doing the college football competition, Matt Humans and company on uh, Point Spread Weekly, slash subscribe to get a hold of it every week. West Virginia is lane two and a half, Jeff, but they opened up as a four and a half point favorite. Maryland's catching plus what's uh, 117 on the money line. This total at 56 and a half has seen love to the over. It opened 54. I'm kind of inclined to look toward the direction of Maryland here, but more importantly, I kind of like the over, so it's nothing that I did officially, but I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. There seems to always be in Maryland's couple of first-week opening <laughs> games of the college football season, <laughs> but you think they could win this one outright as a home dog?
6: Yeah, I, I think so, Danny, and and look, Dave, the, the younger Tungabailoa uh, to his younger brother is there and he's their quarterback. And he showed me enough in the shortened season and last year when he played that I thought it looked pretty good, Danny. And and look, West Virginia, this is year two with, with Neil Brown, who came over after Holgerson last time. And look, you're looking at a, you're looking at a well coach, a good coach who had a lot of success at Troy in his years there. Um, and finally being able to get his footprint on the program there in Morgantown. So, but look, in the end here, I'm gonna take the uh, I'm gonna take Maryland. I like their offense a lot. I do agree with you on the lead to the over as well. And I think the younger tongue of is gonna have a big year, and I think this is step one to a great year for him in College Park and a Maryland team and and Danny, I will say this about the whole back end of the Big Ten. And we kind of saw it on Saturday with Illinois, a team that's projected to not be any good, winning their opener against again, we we can talk about your alma mater, Nebraska, until we're blue in the face, but that, and still winning a conference game where they were a touchdown underdog at home and they still won the game. And those teams that have been punching bags at the bottom of the Big Ten, Maryland and Rutgers specifically in the Eastern Division, those teams are a lot better than they've been. Uh, Rutgers yeah. is Rutgers is a two-touchdown a two, a two favorite against Temple on Thursday night, where if this game was two, three years ago, Temple would probably be a favorite in Piscataway against the Scarlet Knights. So look, it's, uh, it, it, it's one of those where I think this you're going to see a lot more quality out of the bottom of the Big Ten East, and it's a big step forward, and the first one taken with Maryland getting a win outright as a dog against West Virginia.
5: I like it. I agree with you. I mean, tunga has the electricity to do enough to provide an offense for Maryland, and really just the surrounding pieces we saw kind of come alive last season. Could see a similar kind of performance this year, and it wouldn't shock me at all. And that's where the line has moved as well. So we'll see if the Terps can get the job done week one, hosting West Virginia. Uh, Jeff, I know that kind of, you know, those in summation of all your main plays that you have as of this point. I know you'll be adding some more on. And before we get to some of those other ones that you may be considering for this week, I did want to ask you about the biggest game of the weekend being Clemson and Georgia. Now, you can still see some spots where it's three and a half in favor of Clemson. But most consensus seems to be about three. And that's what we're seeing at Bet Rivers. This total is at 51. Where do you kind of gravitate toward in this game? Because a lot of people think Georgia could be a team that is poised to fit the bill to win the championship and step one begins against Clemson. You think they can get the outright dub?
6: I, I don't trust JT Daniels. That's my big concern here with Georgia. I know he's a, a top five Heisman favorite, but I, I, I just, just don't see it. I don't see him being this elite quarterback that at least the Heisman market sees him as. And Uangoleli, uh, who again... We saw him last year at Danny. He looked good when he had the play. He played very well. Even though it was a loss at Notre Dame, he played very well in that game. That was the defense that caused Clemson to lose that, not the offense. So I, I expect Clemson to be able to move the ball on Georgia's defense, which we know is elite. And then the big question mark is, is Daniels better than I expect? And if he is, Georgia has a real chance to win this game because this is the first time there have been some questions on Clemson's defense going into a year where it looked like even they may have slowed down a little bit uh, last year as well. So uh, I lean towards the Tigers. I'm not going to bet this, uh, but uh, look, if if Clemson's defense plays well and and gets pressure on Daniels and forces him into some mistakes, this should be a win and a cover for the orange and white of Clemson.
5: All right, Jeff, a few minutes left. Like I was kind of saying, any other games that you've been teetering back and forth, whether you should pull the trigger on, waiting for, or for a better number, some news, anything else that's going to dictate some other matchups you might dive into?
6: So, Danny, I'll give you two that I'm intrigued by that. I'm not at betting yet, but I would very much look at betting it if the numbers go to directions that I want, and that's getting Penn State up to a six against Wisconsin, which is mostly five-and-a-half right now, the Disney Lions are really good. It's a horrible draw that they got to having to go to Camp Randall week one against Wisconsin, who is the favorite to win the Big Ten West. But if, if the quarterback play is good enough for Penn State, they have a legitimate chance to be a 10-win team, an 11-win team. Uh, the problem they have is all their tough games are away for Happy Valley, and this is one of them. So I'm waiting to see if I get a six on Penn State if I get a six, I'll likely hop. And then, Danny, this one, i, I, I I'm another Big Ten, I'm, I'm going right in the footprint here for you. Indiana and Iowa is a really intriguing game because Indiana obviously gets Michael Penix back. Iowa, it, it, the whole team's basically back. Great offensive line, shocking, I know. Uh, that's a really low-key important game for the Big Ten as a whole because if Indiana goes in there and wins, then, all right, maybe, again, Indiana not quite as good as they were a year ago, but maybe last year wasn't a fluke with them being a legitimate top-ten team the entire year. And for Iowa, if they're going to win the Big Ten West, they have to win every game at home and hope Wisconsin slips up along the way because that game against Wisconsin is, against, is in Camp Randall. It's in Madison. So that's going to be a really difficult task for the Hawkeyes in order to win that game. gets to a flat three, I would consider laying with Iowa. But that is a game that is really intriguing. And, again, I'm not a huge fan of the Big Ten doing all these conference games out of the gate because some of these teams may not be ready to play and it may be a loss that, that hurts them down the line for some of these teams. I mean, my goodness, what happens if Ohio State loses to Minnesota on Thursday night? Then you have all sorts of craziness right out of the gate. I don't think that happens, but it's not impossible for that to happen. So, look, I, I'm very intrigued by the Big Ten schedule with the teams playing their conference mates, to that Iowa-Indiana game. Uh, again, if it gets to a flat three, I'm probably going to take the Hawkeyes, but that's going to be a really, really good game in Iowa City.
5: Yeah, I'm with you here, too. I mean, you nailed it with Iowa. They need to win these type of games. Starts week one against Indiana, and I probably will do the same thing if it gets to three. I think laying it with Iowa is the right way to go. Tyler Goodson could be a phenomenal back this season, and that's probably going to prove to be the difference. We don't know if we could trust Petrus as quarterback for Iowa, but we know it's going to be there in the trenches and defensively for this Iowa team. So. A lot to look forward to this weekend, Jeff. Bunch of fun things coming our way in. Hey, we'll be sweating that 35-and-a-half-point dog in the over and plenty more with you this (laughs) weekend, my friend. Take care. Of course. Thanks, buddy. Best of luck to him. Coming up next, we'll keep it in college football, though. He mentioned Wisconsin. Let's go deeper to Wisconsin with their season win total. Week one matchup and the bet that I have on them. Stick around. We'll let you know next. of all odds with Fed rivers because you're getting daily hometown discounts on boosts on all of your favorite teams only at your hometown sports book to make the most of your experience and to make it even more rewarding Fed rivers offers the most live streams of major sports instant payouts and only one-time playthrough offer valid in illinois only must be 21 or older gambling prom call 1-800-GAMBLER not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self exclusion program. Daily hometown discounts. Check them out. Betrivers.com. Welcome back to Rush Hour here on VCD Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host. At Danny Burke 5 is where you can follow me on Twitter at VCN Live or the Vegas Stat and Information Network on the tweets. Big shout out to Jeff Parles helping us handicap some week one college football lines. Now let's keep it in college football and We'll get into the week one game with this team, and that team being Wisconsin, but in case you weren't following along when we went over this maybe about a month or so ago, I did have a best bet regarding the Wisconsin Badgers and their futures category, and it was their win total. 9.5 is the number we are seeing currently still at the same price. It looks like at-bat rivers, 9.5 over, under, minus 113 each way. Uh, they were 10-1 to one to win the Big Ten, now down to plus 650. They're currently, I believe, eighty to one to win the Natty, to make the playoffs seven one, miss the playoffs minus twelve fifty. They were the favorite to win the Big Ten West, but now that Nebraska, Illinois had their first game, uh, those odds were taken off the board. So uh, let's get into it with Wisconsin. The big, you know, kind of pros and cons. Starting with the potential pros, Graham Mertz. You saw greatness out of him against the aforementioned fighting a line eye last year and then this whole offense took a turn right I mean this Wisconsin offense completely just evaporated and the defense was still fine and it will continue to be fine as it typically is in Wisconsin but what you need from this team we won't spend too much time on it because we've talked about it a lot but it's Graham Mertz you need Graham Mertz to be the guy you're expecting him to be you need them to do better on the ground game that's also kind of The typical assumption we get out of this Wisconsin offense a solid running back with a solid offensive line. They were number one in time of possession last year. The offensive line does have three returning starters, but they ranked 12th in the Big Ten in total offense. And they also couldn't convert on third downs for anything. So uh, the ground attack was 62nd in the nation. They need to get back to the norm that is having a good ground attack in Madison. So defensively, speaking of the run, they were one of the best in the nation against the run. Led the Big Ten, was fifth in the nation, just allowing under 300 total yards per game. I Led the Big Ten and was fifth in the nation overall in third down stops, and they're getting back eight starters. Let's get into the schedule, and as you know, we like to separate into three categories, winnable games, losable games, and toss-up games. However, considering it's kind of more of a favorable schedule and they're a top team in the Big Ten West and Big Ten overall, I've pretty much combine the losable and toss-up games into one category because they could obviously win every single game. But starting with the games that I think are for sure winnable, Week 2 versus Eastern Michigan, Week 6 in Champaign against Illinois, Week 8 on the, roo- uh, on the road against the Boilermakers of Purdue, Week 10 at Rutgers, Week 11 you're getting Northwestern at home, and Week 12 versus my alma mater, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Those are all winnable games, and in that category you're getting six of them. Those are kind of my six guaranteed wins, I think, wisconsin has now loseable slash toss-up games week one right out of the gun versus penn state now wisconsin is up to a five and a half point favorite in that game i do think they get the job done so it is a toss-up game in my opinion but i think i lean wisconsin week four you're getting notre dame neutral site soldier field however even if notre dame is not as bad as some people are thinking not that they're going to be bad it's all relative to notre dame But it's also off of bye week for Wisconsin. So I give the slight edge to the Badgers. Week 5 versus Michigan. Don't know what Michigan's going to consist of at that point. But at least you're getting the Wolverines at home. Week 7 versus Army. Army's always kind of a tough out, a dynamic team to face. But at least, again, you're getting them in Madison. Week 9 versus Iowa. Getting them in Madison. Virtually the same team. But at least you are getting them at home versus the Hawkeyes. Then week 13, on the road against Minnesota. Again, we've talked about the Gophers a ton, but this is going to be a dark horse team, in my opinion, and you're going on the road against Minnesota. So it could be a tough test, but realistically, in my opinion, you're probably maybe losing about two of those losable slash toss-up games. I have this Wisconsin team going 10-2. and two. Their win total is at 9.5, over, under, minus 113 each way. I played the over at 9.5, and, and again, I did I did this a little bit back, maybe a month ago. Would still play it, of course, if you haven't, because the odds haven't altered one way or the other. I know a lot of people are high on Wisconsin, and it may be getting too popular, but look, this Wisconsin team has a very favorable schedule. They just need the ground name to get back to dominating. And Graham Mertz looking like he did at the beginning of the year. So Wisconsin over 9.5, that's the bet that we're going with. I'll tell you a couple more on the Diamond. Stick around here on Rush Hour. Now that the NFL preseason has kicked off, it's the perfect time for you to huddle up with the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide. And The guide is only $19.99 and it is available now. Our experts provide profiles of every team along with advanced stats and power ratings. Plus, you get best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. You can sign up for VEASAN All Access and you get everything we offer for the entire football season. Check it out now at vsin.com slash subscribe. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. It is V-S-I-N, the Sports Betting Network, and I am Danny Burke, and the show is Rush Hour. Here on this Tuesday evening, we are live out of the Bet River Sportsbook, and it's time to talk some baseball. Another solid performance last night with our plays 2-0, depending on if you had the listed pitchers with Cueto and the Giants or not. But then the Astros came through for us as well. We'll get to their matchup tonight in just a second. But I want to go with another bet regarding the totals, and that's going to involve the matchup between the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Angels. Now there's been incredible movement in terms of the money line to the Yankees, up to minus 210 now. Uh, totals at about 9.5. The total opened 8.5, so the over has been getting plenty of love. The Angels beat the Yankees last night 8-7 in a high-scoring game. That puts the Yankees now on a three-game losing skid. Getting Jameson tie taking the bump 4 the Yankees against the Angels he's only gone up against them once when five innings pitched allowed nine hits five earned runs 375 opponent batting average Yankees did win but in a high scoring affair 11 to five Yankees also have won the last 11 out of 12 tie-in starts uh, and the over has hit in a in nine out of 12 of those excuse me being with the total set at nine and I point that out because again this is set at nine and a half but earlier today I played over nine. Paid a little bit more, minus 125. That's up to minus 143 now. But I played over 9, and the over 9 has hit in 9 out of the last 12 starts for Tyon and the Yankees. Also, you look at Jamie Berea. He's taking the bump for Los Angeles. Uh, His XFIP at home, 4.86. The ERA of 1.98 is misleading. 4.86 is his XFIP at home. Angels have lost the last four games he's been involved in, but he's really only gone about three-point innings pitched. Uh, Really, it's just not been that deep of an effort for Maria, and it could be a bullpen game again, and we know how bad this bullpen is for Los Angeles, and the over-nine is hit in his last three out of four starts. So uh, you factor that in with also the... Just the general fact that the Angels have a bad bullpen. The over nine is hitting their last five out of six games. Yankees have been hitting tremendously well in August, 766 OPS. And the Angels, where they do hit better, is at home with a 777 OPS compared to 687 on the road. I think it's a great recipe for the total to go over. And again, we're seeing it at nine and a half. So if you don't want to pay a little bit more to get it at that nine and have the security of the push, Completely fine. Would still obviously recommend going over that because, you know, we needed to get to 10. But at the end of the day, because I got minus 125 and now that it's up to minus 143, would probably just do nine and a half. But I did over nine, minus 125 between the Yankees and the Angels. Now let's continue on with another bet that I do have. And we're running it back, baby. We're running it back with the Houston Astros taking on the Seattle Mariners. Man, they made a sweat that one out last night. Blew the lead, but had a good, what was it, top of the eighth where they took over the lead. And here we are again in a similar price range with the Astros and the Mariners. Not ideal to lay a higher number, but I still think it's a great matchup for Houston. Got them, I believe, at minus 162. They're up to minus 167. Now at Bet Rivers, the Mariners catching plus 140. Total we're seeing at about eight. Houston did open up minus 150, so a little bit of movement has gone toward the Astros, who won 4-3 last night. Kikuchi, the southpaw, who's been a bright spot for the Mariners and a guy I've tried to bet on, but it's just never done well for me. He has taken the mound tonight. He is 7-7, 4.33 ERA, but a really solid x for Kikuchi of 3.65 and a solid whip of 1.25. However, Lance McCullers Jr., who has been very solid for Houston, is opposing him. McCullers is 10-4, 3.32 ERA, 3.67 x and also a 1.25 whip. Now looking at McCullers, where he's dominated, has been on the road this season. 7-1 on the road, 2.75 ERA, 3.19 XFIT for McCullers on the road. He's also gone up against Seattle twice this year. He's gone 12 innings pitch, allowed 11 hits, 6 earned runs, and has racked up 16 strikeouts. are the Astros when he has started against the Mariners. He's racked up eight strikeouts and seven, respectively. The last outing against Seattle allowed just two earned runs. That was August 20th. Kikuchi at home, not spectacular, but not too shabby in terms of ERA. A 4.85, but then the XFIP, of course, a true indicator, 3.61. But in the month of August, he's boasting a 5.04 XFIP, so not great for Kikuchi, who also against Houston has gone up against some very familiar, four games, 21.2 innings pitched. In that span, he has allowed 21 hits, 15 earned runs, 19 Ks, 10 walks, high walk rate, uh, 247 batting average is what the Astros have against Kikuchi. And the Mariners two and two, in Kikuchi starts against Houston, but those two wins came in April. The most two recent games were losses and the Mariners lost 12 to three and 11 to four. And he went up against McCullers in that August 20th game. Kikuchi gave up seven earned runs. McCullers gave up two. Plus, we factor in that the Astros are a team that hits better on the road, 782 OPS, and hit better against lefties, also identical 782 OPS. Like we talked about yesterday, the Mariners very inconsistent offensively. They hit worse at home with a 661 OPS, and slightly worse versus righties, 680 OPS. So again, I laid minus 162 on the money line with Houston. If you want to go with the run line, obviously you're getting a little bit of plus money, plus 106, and could be a strong recommendation. We saw the one-run game yesterday with a solid pitcher like Kikuchi. Could be a close one at that. So instead, I laid the higher price of minus 162 and rolling with the Houston Astros. Now, I wanted to get in finally to this one other game really quickly. That's going to be the Pirates and the White Sox. Didn't have any skin in this one, but thought I should mention it because there's been <laughs> incredible line movement to the White Sox. Minus 250, up to minus 375 are the White Sox at home with Giolito on the bump going up against Bryce Wilson uh, and the Pirates. We're catching 3-1 to odds as the dog. Total is at 9. It's one of those situations where do you almost just take the value because it's so incredibly high in a baseball game? Well, realistically, probably not. I mean, Giolito has been shaky from time to time, but he's kind of, you know, gotten steady. And the White Sox, as we know, are completely dominant at home with a 780 OPS. So Giolito, if you want to lay two and a half runs, you're still laying minus 105. Incredible. If you want to lay the run and a half, though, minus 167 with the Southsiders taken on the Pirates. But like we said, the two best bets we are rolling with out in the West Coast, the Angels and Yankees over 9 at minus 125. And then we're rolling with the Houston Astros, minus 162, taking on the Seattle Mariners. Hopefully the Houston Astros treat us well once again and make us not sweat as much as we did yesterday. But those are our plays on the diamond tonight. As always, best of luck if you tail. Stick around as we're wrapping up another edition of Rush Hour, talking NFL with Sam Monson of PFF coming up next. Out of all odds with Bet Rivers, daily hometown discounts on foos on all of your favorite teams, and remember, it's only at your hometown sportsbook. Get to make your experience even more rewarding because Bet Rivers offers the most live streams in major sports, along with those instant payouts and only one-time playthrough offers valid in Illinois only. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Daily hometown discounts, check them out, bedrivers.com. All righty, it up another edition of Rush Hour right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bed Rivers Sportsbook, and joining us now to talk some NFL, Sam Monson of PFF at PFF underscore Sam and host of the PFF NFL Podcast. Sam, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's kind of been a whirlwind. Throughout the NFL today with the news out on the East Coast up in Foxborough, Cam Newton being released by the New England Patriots, not only just not getting the starting position, but cut from the team. Mac Jones going to be taking over the starting role. What was your reaction to this? Did you think that Mac Jones had kind of the lead even before this in the starting quarterback position? And I guess what's the future hold for Cam Newton at this point?
8: No, I couldn't believe it when they the, the news broke that he'd been cut. I actually thought because of the way they used those quarterbacks in that third preseason game, that Cam Newton was going to be the week one starter. Um, I thought Mac Jones had pushed him very close and had made it a much tougher decision and a much closer call than it was a few weeks ago. But you know, Mike Jones had been given opportunities with the first team every time he'd come into the game in preseason, they had left the first team offensive line out there with him to make sure he was protected. They had given him some reps with first team receivers, but this past week, none of that happened. He was, he was with the second team completely though. The first team all left the field when Cam Newton did. So, so that to me said that that was the order of the quarterbacks now. Um, but obviously Bill Palachuk decided different, whether, it was a decision already made at that point or whether Mac Jones's performance with the second team changed his mind. um, I I don't know, but either way, you know, making that call, I think was, was one part, but then making the decision that Cam Newton isn't just going to be a backup. We're going to release him from the team was incredible to me because that the threat that he could provide as a short yardage, you know, cheat code, essentially, I think is a really valuable one. And one that, you know, would have cost them a little bit of money, but I think would have been well worth it. So for them to decide they don't want that on the team, they're they're better off releasing him completely is kind of mind-blowing to me.
5: Do you think that that's kind of the case of, well, if they're going to start Mac Jones anyways, then Cam Newton may not be a good leader in that backup role and could just be somewhat of a, for lack of a better term, a cancer in the locker room? Do you think that's kind of the thought process of doing that?
8: I, I don't think it's because they believe that Cam Newton would be a negative influence. I think there's too much inside information circulating that's of, reinforces how good a teammate Cam Newton is. And I don't think that would change even if he lost the starting job, but I think there might've been real concerns about, look, even if he's not being a negative influence, just the, the gravity that he has and the cachet that he has in the locker room as a leader is probably not helpful to a guy like Mac Jones. You know, you may have given Mac Jones, The keys to the team um and he's the starting quarterback but there are probably going to be a lot of people that would still look to cam Newton within that locker room as the leader and they probably decided that that wasn't helpful you know it's better to get a clean break so i don't think it's necessarily uh something that cam Newton would have done or a negative that he would have um sort of bred discontent but just that they believe you know if if we're going to make mac jones the leader we need to do that and more than just name.
5: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and it's not surprising because a lot of guys, you know, maybe split if he's still in the locker room, so that probably adds up a little bit even more so for the reason cutting ties with Cam Newton. And now again that we're seeing Mac Jones as the guy, Sam, I mean, where does this put your thoughts on what we can expect out of New England? Does it bode more confidence for you? Are you in the same spot or worse? Because we're seeing their win total at about 9. It is shaded to the over, minus 150. And now Mac Jones' odds shortened to plus 550 to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. How does this change the dynamic if you're looking to handicap this New England team?
8: I think you have to be excited. I mean, Cam Newton, we expected him to be better this year just because the supporting cast around him is better. But there are still real concerns about, you know, what he's capable of doing anymore, given his injury history and just how long it's been since he's played at a really high level for an extended period of time. I think you probably have to be more confident about what Mac Jones can be as a passing quarterback. Obviously, what you gain there, you're going to lose a bit in terms of the run game. And Cam Newton was a, a short yardage nightmare for opposing defenses last year, but Mac Jones has looked incredibly um in control in command of that offense has always been able to get the ball where it needs to go um has been accurate when he's been on the field he's got the the highest pff uh, passing grade of any of these rookies this year the second highest we've ever seen in preseason after only patrick mahomes so i think you have to be incredibly excited about what he can do in this offense
5: all right, Sam. Yeah, I mean, look, the AFC East is going to be fun, and I, I'm kind of agreeing with you, too. I mean, you get Mac Jones, you know what you saw with Cam Newton last year. We expected a little bit better year, but the ceiling could be higher as of this point for Mac Jones with a pretty solid roster around him. So potentially bright days ahead up in Foxborough. But since we are in the Midwest, we want to see if there's bright days ahead for us here in the Chicagoland area, Sam. And looking at the NFC North, it looks like it's going to be the Packers division yet again. They're minus 177 to come out on top. Then come the Vikings at 3-1, to the Bears at plus 550, and the Lions at 25-1. to What do you like out of the NFC North as of this point? And if, if it's not the Packers, if that's just the easy answer, then maybe I'll ask you another one if there's any value with the Bears depending on the availability of Justin Fields in your eyes.
8: Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be the Packers and then everybody else a, a significant distance behind. Um, there, there's just too much going for Green Bay and not enough going for anybody else. Chicago. I, you know, I could see the Bears going on a run if Justin Fields gets in there and if he you know, looks as looks as good in regular season as he did in preseason. There are some concerns on that Chicago roster, uh, whether the offensive line can hold up well enough regardless of who the quarterback is and whether the secondary is in good enough shape. I mean, their group of cornerbacks is, is very thin and, and pretty long on uh um, proven high level quality. So those are two bad areas to be weak in. But Justin Fields, if he is as good as he can be, you know, that will paper over a lot of those cracks.
5: Sure. Yeah. I mean, every Bears fan is anticipating him to get in sooner rather than later, but that may not be the case based on what Matt Nagy has to say about it. So uh, we'll see if we can get another young rookie quarterback into the mix soon, but could be a little bit longer here. And Sam, before we let you go, we got a few minutes left, but I did want to take some time to spend really on any team you think looking into this season that people are not talking enough about could be more of a dark horse or at the same time a team that people are overreacting about and hyping up too much. Are there any teams that fit into each respective category for you?
8: Yeah, it seems crazy because most of the off-season has been spent talking about how the Steelers are in decline. You know, that offensive line looked terrible on paper. Roethlisberger had one of the worst seasons of his career last year, and we were kind of writing Pittsburgh's eulogy. But in preseason, that offensive line actually looked reasonably good. And if it's okay, it doesn't even need to be good. If it's just solid and Roethlisberger is capable of bouncing back a little bit from last year, suddenly Pittsburgh, I think are back in the mix with the Ravens and the Browns within that division. And we could still be looking at a Pittsburgh team that's actually very good. And remember, you know, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record. That guy always gets good teams regardless of what's happening around him. Um, on the other team, I think that falls into the same category are the New Orleans Saints. Um, that, that they're dealing with you know extra stuff as well now with the the fallout from uh, the hurricane down there and being on the road for potentially a month. But again, we we've thought of the, the saints as being just done as soon as they hit this post breeze landscape. But with Jameis Winston, a quarterback suddenly Marquez Calloway emerges as a potential number one receiver while Michael Thomas is on the pop list. The saints still have a very good roster, and a very good head coach and a quarterback that's capable of of being productive, again, I think, you know, we may have been too quick to write off what the New Orleans Saints can do this year.
5: Yeah, I think you might be right. Look, Jameis Winston has such I mean, just really electricity he can bring to the table. And Yes, he may turn the ball over from time to time, and there could be a lack of weapons immediately for the Saints. But look, I think you're right. I mean, it may be too premature to write off this team that still has enough talent, especially on the defensive side. So Saints could be still a viable betting option into this upcoming year. Hey, Sam, we're up against him, my man, but really love taking some time to talk some NFL with you. We'll have to do it again soon. Take care, my friend. Anytime. Thanks for having me. At PFF underscore Sam on Twitter, you can catch his show, the PFF NFL pod, throughout the week. Sam Monson, great insight into the NFL. Well, in case you missed it earlier, folks, it's about time we called a night here on Rush Hour. But we did have a couple of plays on the diamond looking to keep a little winning streak here going. And it's starting off with the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Angels playing the total over nine. Got it at about minus 125 now nine and a half is what the number set at and earlier this morning i got it at minus 125 so of course subscribe to veason.com and you can get into the best bets log page or get it by the daily email and you can get those bets earlier in the day because now the nine is up to minus 143 so at that point you might as well probably just go with the nine and a half And aside from that, though, we are laying a little bit steeper price here with the Astros, but I like the pitching matchup. I like the offense better for Houston like we did yesterday. So rolling with Lance McCullers over Kikuchi and laid minus 162 with Houston on the road against Seattle, looking for them to get us another dub tonight on the Major League Baseball slate. All right, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of Rush Hour. Thank you all for tuning in here on this Tuesday evening. Tomorrow. We'll keep it up with the NFL. We'll keep it up with college football. And of course, we got baseball. But more props to look forward to in the NFL. Time is getting close to the start of the season. We got plenty more action to dissolve. We'll catch up with you then. From all of us here at Beeson, until then, take care.